Just what is authenticity? How do we know we're experiencing it in our daily lives? What are the moments in our life that have led us to a better understanding of who we are as people? These conversations and more happen right here on The Authenticity Experiment. I'm your hostess. My name is Megan Williams. I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Arizona, and I have spent my career helping people find their most authentic versions of themselves and live and grow inside of that authenticity. And now I get to share the stories of people who have taken their own pathway to authenticity. Just a general content warning, most episodes of the Authenticity Experiment have themes that can be considered triggering for some. Please listen at your own pace and understand that when people tell their stories, it's part of their healing journey. And by listening to the stories of others, we can feel less alone. However, if there is content in this episode that you find triggering, please consult with your mental health professional or reach out to me and I can provide you with resources in order for you to start coping with the stress that you may be experiencing in your own life. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Authenticity Experiment. Today I get to have a conversation with a friend of mine that I've known for a few years and um, she is doing some really cool stuff and and it kind of ties in with the episode that I did with Tracy where Tracy was kind of talking about the financial stuff around divorce and and how that kind of has impacted folks and in forensic accounting my friend Krista has developed uh, a program to help people heal and walk through some of the more emotionally contentious pieces of divorce and uh, and I'm really excited to to introduce her to you all today because I think she's amazing so Krista go ahead and tell them who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, My name is Krista Young and I have a business uh, called Krista Young Coaching, you know, very clever. Um, (laughs) And um, my, my passion is to help divorced women through their recovery from divorce, from emotional abuse, from narcissistic abuse. Um, I came to this from my own experience, um, basically going through recovery. And then that led to divorce because one alcoholic cannot, a recovered alcoholic cannot live with a non-recovered alcoholic. Well, I'm saying he is, but you know, that's up to him to decide either way. He's now my ex. That's the whole point. (laughs) (laughs) We got divorced. And through the process of that, I came upon a lady named Tina Swithin, who is doing, um, it's her website is onemomsbattle.com. And she went through her own extremely tumultuous um, divorce and child custody case. And I happened to email her one night about a dress that I saw because she has a, um, her daughters love lemon or um, she named it the lemonade club is for what her daughters have gotten involved in, um, advocacy also. And I emailed her a picture of a dress that had cute lemons on it because I have a daughter also. And, um, she actually responded to me. And from that, 
I found out that she was offering a divorce coaching program, um, technically high conflict divorce coaching. And I signed up for it just because I trusted and believed in her and totally took a, um, a leap of faith. I did that course in January and February of 2021. And then I went on to do a life coaching course that was a 10-month program with Martha Beck. So I'm a, a certified wayfinder. How do they say that? I guess it's a wayfinder life coach. And um, so I have the high conflict divorce coaching certification as well as the wayfinder life coaching certification. And so I put all those pieces together with my recovery, my divorce, uh, the training and certification and started my business uh, basically in September of 2021 to serve women who have gone through something like I have. And I came into the situation just feeling very beat down and not really knowing who I was anymore. And I want to help other women who have been through that similar type of situation be able to re regain themselves also. It's so cool because I I remember when you came to that place of like this relationship isn't healthy for me anymore and it's getting in the way of me being the best version of myself and, and I remember watching you kind of struggle with that decision and what does this mean and then stepping into your own power and just being like yeah nope I'm good I'm done this isn't what I want to do anymore and it was so amazing to watch that for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a long haul from the day I got sober, which was April 15th of 2018, to when I filed for divorce was almost exactly 18 months. I filed for divorce October 11th of 2019. So I lived, you know, regaining myself to some level at least which you can only do so much when you're still in a toxic situation and you're not out from under, um, I guess the chaos really. Um, but I was healing and growing and he wasn't interested in healing and growing. And I finally got to the point after staging an intervention with him and <laughs> the intervention never happened because his parents showed up for family day the day before and basically said, we told him last night, you know, we tipped him off and they, their goal was to completely thwart the intervention and come there that day to blame everything on me. And my mom was there. My stepdad was there, the interventionist and me and his parents, his mom and dad, and the interventionist had never seen anything like that before. And he's done, you know, I don't even know how many maybe a thousand or more interventions. And so I realized at that point that the only way for me to be healthy is to get out from under that situation. I mean, if, if that's his parents' mindset and that's his support system, there's no way I can compete with that. And so that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. There were a couple other little details in there too, but that for the most part, just made me realize I am up against a brick wall with that family. So I decided to move on. I just, I knew I was going to have to file for divorce if I wanted to stay sober and to get healthy. 
And from that point on, I really, I mean, I feel like my growth was pretty huge in that 18 months, but my growth was, you know, as far as a growth curve goes, I would say it was almost completely straight up and down after that. I mean, it was, it was major. I remember January of 2020, think it was 2020 it might have been 2021 um but either way I mean I just remember the the exponential growth from filing for divorce to maybe like six months after that I felt like I wasn't even recognizable and I had already been doing 18 months you know like the comparative between that day and the day that I filed for divorce was just uh, I was unrecognizable in a good way. <laughs> and the 18 months prior, I had been doing therapy twice a week, recovery, you know, all those things. It was just so clear that how much it had held me back and how broken I was. Yeah. And I love that you're, you're taking that experience and finding a way to help other people walk through the same thing. Yeah. Um, because I do believe that lived experience in, in a lot of ways has, even without all the extra training, right? Like the extra training is amazing, but it's that lived experience piece that it's kind of like, there's that automatic understanding and empathy and connection that happens. Yeah. Um, and that sense of not being alone. Yeah, completely. And, and, you know, that brings me to what I'm trying to do for, or what I am doing for women, you know, not everyone's story involves recovery and mine did. However, what I'm, what I'm doing is bringing that significant piece because recovery was really, that was the piece, you know, that's what got me out from under the relationship. So I'm bringing that piece to women who whether they need recovery or not is not for me to judge, but I know that they come to me because they need help with something. They need help with their divorce, their relationship, getting out from under it, or maybe they're already out from under it, but they still feel stuck. You know, just because you've filed for divorce or are separated doesn't mean you're out from under that person. Right. You know, there's oftentimes so many custody cases, custody issues that linger for years. I mean, there's cases where it doesn't linger, but there are cases where it does. And either way, the emotional piece is keeping them stuck. And I am helping women bring, I'm bringing the community where other women can surround them in a similar way to the fellowship of AA and, or Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so that they feel supported and so that they can also give back. Because the one thing I've found a lot with, it just seems to be universal, no matter who I talk to, whether they've been through recovery or not, is they feel like they, um, a lot of my clients want, a, they feel like they have a larger purpose in life. And it's not just getting a divorce and being a a nurse or whatever. Well, a nurse isn't a good example because they're already giving back quite a bit, but let's just say you're, a, I don't know, an accountant or something. I don't know. Just something that isn't necessarily in the, you know, behavioral health or mental health or, or 
medical industry for that matter, or teaching or something like that, where you're already giving a lot, but these women just want something more. They want to be able to give to other people and why not be able to give to someone who's already been through it, even if they're just a two or three months ahead of that person in the divorce process, they already know what's coming along. And so anyone that's been through a divorce is able to give back to other people that have never been through a divorce. And it's this very confusing, unknown process. Mm -hmm. And so I'm helping with the emotional piece. And then I'm also helping with the community piece to bring women together that have a common goal and just a common experience, really. So when you're when you're working with folks and you're seeing this this kind of happen, are you how are you witnessing other people stepping into their authenticity? Because that's a big piece of this, right? Is shedding some of those old identities, shedding some of the expectations, and then kind of stepping into their true selves. You know, it's really amazing. Um, it happens a little bit differently for everyone, but at the same time, you know, seeing the light bulb come on, which in in the Alcoholics Anonymous program, we see that through sponsorship. Um, but by coaching women through the divorce process and helping them come into their own, there's, I guess for here, I'll just give a couple examples without, you know, breaking anonymity right. and ethics. Um, you know, I have a client who I help with the communication piece a lot. So she, she might send me an email and say, Hey, can you help me out with this? And, and I'll, I'll help, uh, move some words around and maybe replace a couple of things and suggest that this or that be added so that it's more, um, hitting on the points that she's trying to convey without, you know, she's maybe close to getting the point across, but not quite there. So I help convey the message a little bit better and after doing that a few times, then she'll send, she might send me one and say, how's this? And I'll say, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, who have, who's taught you, you know, or just joking, of course, but she's like, you know, she's, she's getting it. Mm -hmm. She gets it. She gets how to convey, she gets how to stand at her truth mm -hmm. and convey it properly. And so that's, you know, and then, you know, that helps with people's self-confidence and feeling better about themselves, being able to express themselves and, and get to where they want to be with that other very difficult person. And not that we're changing them, the difficult person we're never going to change, mm -hmm. but we can change how we approach the situation and how we feel about the situation. And if you're coming into your own confidence and your own power in that process, that is priceless because that changes everything. It changes your perspective on life and your perspective on the world. And that's the only thing you have control over. 100%. Yeah. So being authentic in yourself is the key. I mean, that, that's, that literally is everything. 
So what are some other some other times and other places where you kind of started to learn about who you are and, and stepped into your own authenticity? So I've always been somebody who's been super interested in like personal growth and self-help. It used to be called self-help as personal growth and personal development now, but I used to joke when I was, um, before I met him, I used to go to Barnes and Noble on uh, Friday and Saturday nights with a cup of coffee and sit in the help self-help section. <laughs> and I used to joke with my mom that that's not where I'm going to meet my husband. You know, <laughs> if I have the big self-help sign over, you know, like <laughs> neon sign over my head while I'm sitting there on a Friday night, you know, I'm not necessarily going to get a date, but um so I've always really been interested in that type of, of growth and development. And, you know, in seventh grade, maybe, maybe younger, I found a par- a book of my parents that was tucked in a drawer underneath some clothes that they never wear. You know, one of those books that you're not supposed to see, but it really was more about like um, being a better person. And I remember reading that book every time they would leave the house. Once I found it, I was like going in there and reading that book. And it wasn't, it wasn't the things that normally you wouldn't want the kids to see. It was, I was like, this is so funny because they're hiding it and it's really nothing bad. <laughs> it's just about being a better person and a better, having better relationships. So I always was super interested in that. Um And then in high school, I took a psychology class and I got an A and I loved it, but I didn't know that if I wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, it just, I didn't know if I wanted to do like the hardcore therapy aspect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, long story, (laughs) I went into accounting I, then I transferred into interiors. Then I ended up in architecture and I ended up in architecture because a guy I had dated in high school kept talking about architecture all the time. And I took that arch 171 class and I was like, I had no idea that this is about people. It's not about buildings. It's about helping people and how they live within environments. And once I realized it was basically environmental design and and behavioral design, um, I fell in love with it. I really wanted to do houses for people because I wanted to help them with how to live in their lives. And then I realized over the years of doing a lot of architecture and working in that field for many years, that it was just so much more about the technical aspect that I, I, I took the opportunity when my daughter was born to take a break from that. And at that point is, is when I was doing the business management for my ex's business. And then when he and I, you know, you've already heard the other end of the story, which is when he and I weren't doing so well is when I went into recovery. And then that led me into coaching. And I feel like I've come full circle. What I really wanted all that time was to help people be happy and have joy in their lives. And I just took a really long detour 
But the interesting piece of that whole story is that I am now dating the guy who introduced me to architecture in high school. That's so cool. I know we reconnected on Facebook. It was the day after Thanksgiving. He sent me our prom picture and we started chatting. And I mean, it just so happened. We've chatted off and on over the years, just like here and there. Hey, how are you type thing? And that's what he thought that was going to be again. But now I can actually chat with him without somebody feeling like somebody is watching <laughs> over my back. And, you know, I mean, it was like an authentic, hey, we're just two old friends chit-chatting. And so, yeah, we're reconnected and we're we're together now. So It's so cool how our lives come full circle in different ways. Yeah, I mean, that the dating aspect of it, I was not looking for anyone. I like loading the dishwasher the exact way I like loading it. Mm -hmm. I like sleeping in the bed alone, you know, like all the things that come with independence and regaining yourself after divorce. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% living in that. And so um, reconnecting with him and getting into a relationship was just completely unexpected and a surprise. I mean, for both of us, he neither of us were on each other's radars Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving day. And then the next day we started chatting. Um, He's also in recovery too. So it like, there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. He he ended up in the behavioral health field also. So like he ended up in landscape architecture. I ended up in architecture. He ended up as a therapy, a therapist and a substance use disorder coach or I don't know. I'm saying it wrong, but therapist I guess Mm -hmm. counselor counselor there we go and I ended up in coaching so we're both in the mental health slash behavioral health fields come you know way long circle long road so I mean it's it's kind of like the sometimes in our lives I feel like it's like when you're trying to navigate what's the best path to take in rush hour and, and when you live in a major metro area, you learn that there's about four or five different ways for you to get from point A to point B if there's traffic or road closes, closings and things like that. So it does turn into that, you know, he may have been going down the 17 while you were going up the 51, but eventually both of you ended up on the loop 101. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's an awesome analogy. I love that. Right. It's, yeah. it's that idea that like, Sometimes the universe is saying not yet, and then later on pushes something back at you. And, and that idea of even just that this place of I, I wanted to help people and the ways that you were able to figure out how to help people and then coming into it in a way that's just a lot more overt and a lot more understandable by other people. Um, I just right. think that's awesome because that's part of that core piece of who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I I really, you know, looking back at like all the, I I was, I was the girl in high school where my friends would call me for advice about their boyfriends. And, you know, they'd call me counselor Krista or therapist Krista, you know, like as a joke. And it was, I was always like, you know, trust me, I did not know what I was doing. I was telling them, you know, probably all the self-will based Mm -hmm. (laughs) things to do versus, you know, going with the flow. But Yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, life, 
life just has its own path, no matter how hard you want to drive it your direction, it's not necessarily the right path for you. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is the right path ultimately in the end either. You know, what, what is, who knows? We, we don't know it. I could have a, a bunch more 90 degree turns before, before the end. So, but I still have some time. So <laughs> I'm just getting going on this. So I want to, yeah, I'll stick with this for a while. I think I like it. So, <laughs> well, but I think too, it's that idea that, you know, it, it just reinforces that all we have is this moment today, right? Like we really can't plan, we can make plans, but we really can't plan for tomorrow. The only thing we can do is execute on today and living inside of our own authenticity and what feels right today Yeah. versus, you know, all these expectations and labels and, and paths that might not be the best fit for the moment. Right. But when we're living and in, in standing inside of ourselves 100% as to who we are, like the good stuff just keeps happening. And and if something different comes along, it is that, okay, well, I guess this is, this is what we're doing today. Awesome. Right. Yeah. You know, what I, what I really love, I, I use this example with my clients too, is, you know, I used to get upset when things like wouldn't go, oh my gosh, I have a busy day, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G planned, and it has to happen perfectly or the day is just going to be shot. Well, you know, then you go out to your car and you have a flat tire. I mean, this, this literally happened about a year ago. I had one of those flat tires that it wasn't just low. It was, it was so flat that my car wouldn't roll out of the garage. And it was just like, well, you know, I got anxiety about it, but at the same time I knew what to do. And mm -hmm. in that moment, I called my stepdad and he was able to come and get my daughter and take her to school. And she made it to the field trip. The bus was leaving at nine and, you know, all the things that cause you to panic, but it really was just, I was smiling through the whole thing. Cause it's just like, you know what it is. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. So then you take the next right step. I called triple a, you know, first right step was calling my stepdad to get my daughter to school. Next right step was calling triple a. And within an hour, you wouldn't have even have known I'd ever even had a problem. Right. <laughs> so what could have been an entire day of upheaval was just 30 or 40 minutes of uncertainty and an hour setback that really wasn't a big deal everything turned out okay. So tell me a little bit about being a mom and how that has kind of changed how you operate in the world. I think the biggest piece, well, there's a couple big, big pieces with being a mom. There's a lot of big pieces, as you know. Um, so my daughter's eight, she turned eight in December. Um, I have found that being a mom completely changed me as far as being compassionate toward other people in the world. Um, I used to be the, the single adult that was annoyed by the crying kids on the airplane. <laughs> and now I'm like, can I help you with anything? What can I, can I, can I rock the baby? Can I give you a break for 10 minutes just by 
playing with them or showing them some pictures on my phone or whatever. I, I, I found that. And I think becoming a mom in 2014, it was December, 2014, but, but becoming a mom then, um, and I was 41 years old too. So it's like later in life. So I can really see the juxtaposition of the before and after, because I had quite a few years married as an adult, as a career woman in architecture and being annoyed by, you know, the, um, inconveniences of a noisy child around me on my way to Las Vegas for the weekend. You know, I mean, like how selfish is that whole picture versus now I'm not drinking anymore. Now I'm not going to Vegas. Well, I'm no longer married either, but, um, you know, all the pieces of that, I'm just trying to help other people handle being a mom and doing the right thing for their kids. Mm -hmm. So the other piece I feel like really changed me is, is patience. I didn't realize <laughs> and how hard it is to be a parent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some, it's like some people are, have it seem like they, you know, it, it's easy for them. I have a friend who is just like, la 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 have kids she had three boys everything's great you know she did the natural birth on the last two and all all that actually she did natural birth on all three because the first one was in her car on the way to the hospital but and then there's me I want an epidural I had one child and it buried me you know like it's just been so much more work than I ever thought it would be so I feel like that has brought back some of the um, the perseverance piece that it reminds me of living in North Dakota when I, where I grew up. You have to have perseverance to get through those winters. It's like no matter what what you want, you you have a cold winter to deal with, snow and ice, scraping your windshields, freezing your butt off. Mm -hmm all the, you know, we're in Arizona, we just don't have that. So I feel like being a mom, you're in it for the long haul, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. And I love it, you know, don't get me wrong, but it is a lot harder than I ever thought it would be. And um, my ex and I went into it thinking, we're people who run businesses, we we've got this figured out, no matter what, we'll figure it out, right? very in our heads, engineer, architect, we'll solve it. That's, I couldn't have been more wrong. I, you know, I ended up in the hospital at three months with when she was three months old and stuff. Cause it, you know, I was sleeping two to four hours a night and breastfeeding and all this stuff. And I got a sinus infection and the antibiotic, I ended up with pancolitis from the antibiotic being pretty harsh, but it was because I was run down. Mm -hmm. You know, I was doing all the, probably all the wrong things. And um, so, yeah, being a mom is hard. It's hard. She's delightful. I wouldn't give her up for anything. She's cute. She's smart. All the good things that come along with being a mom. I mean, we hit the jackpot, mm -hmm. but it's hard.
I don't have, I don't have the me time I would like to have, but I do have to say that being divorced and sharing the 50, 50 custody is a blessing Mm -hmm. because even though I wish he would do some things the way I would like him to do it, having that free time, I feel like is almost imperative for me. What I think is interesting, so, and I'm sure that, I'm sure that your little does the same thing that mine does, which is, um, holds this gigantic mirror up for me. (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) There are times when, um, I, I get my words with my inflection and my tone (laughs) parroted back at me. Um, one of my favorite phrases that I use a lot and people that know me know I use it a lot is can we not and, <laughs> and, and the other day I was doing I think I was singing or I was being silly or or just doing something that was you know me and she looks at me very very matter-of-factly and she goes mama can we not <laughs> Oh my gosh. I bet you just wanted to crawl into a hole and be like, oh. I looked at her and I said, little girl, what did you just say to me? <laughs> She's like, right? I said, can we not? And I said, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're you- doing today. Awesome. <laughs> right? But you got the point. <laughs> well, but then I did whatever it was that was annoying her louder because I'm also a gigantic toddler when it comes to Right, right. So oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, our daughters are pretty close in age. Is your daughter seven now? Yep. She just turned seven. Okay. So yeah, they're about a year apart. So, oh, it gets better. I'm only one, my daughter's only one year ahead of you, but it's, it gets more. Look, I am, I I have already been, been tasked with handling all things teenager because I actually do really well with teenagers, but I'm like, this this is that time frame and I think it speaks to that idea of not having enough time for yourself like yeah we don't realize how much time we actually can ha- can carve out for ourselves between like the newborn phase and like five right yeah th- they can entertain themselves or you can put the kid in in the playpen or in the crib for a nap and like buy yourself an hour um but it's in that sweet spot of like five to 12 when you really can't leave them alone because dcs doesn't like that (laughs) (laughs) they can't just go play on the street by themselves and while they might be able to entertain themselves you still kind of have to keep that bird dog eye on them um which might not be true for for other places that people live like if it was in my hometown i probably would be a little more open to her being outside in the front yard by herself and that kind of thing but we live in the fifth largest city in the United States. Uh, right. We have high levels of human trafficking that happen. Um, so I'm, I'm not letting my kid be out in the front yard unsupervised. That's just right. not a thing that's going to happen. Backyard, cool. Front yard, not happening. Right. Um, but I think that it, it does come to that place where we're, we're getting there, but it's, it's, it's that, that high maintenance time where they really need the supervision because otherwise you're going to come out and there's going to be glitter all over the living room. Well, I, I was, when you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, you know, even in the house, 
so get out the paint or something. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, no, not on the new rug or the new tile or it's, it's a, it's a little scary. Yeah. You can't leave them alone for a minute. And, and when she had a friend sleepover, they took the iPad and were doing recording of things they shouldn't have been doing. It was like, what are you doing? You know, it was totally innocent. It was ignorant. They had no idea. Right. But it was a good learning experience. Honestly, um, I don't know. I just, I, I almost think zero to five was harder for me than it is now. At least now I kind of like know she can do some things by herself, but I felt like I had to be a helicopter parent zero to five. And that was exhausting for me. Yeah. I was like, Hey, we got this, this plastic gate, like fence thing. Right. You gave her the expanded, like playpen and then I realized that we had something similar for the dog when he was a puppy and I was like oh that's what that is right but it was just so much easier because I could just put her in that little play area and she could play and she would turn on tv she could listen to music right like it was fine and now it's like because she is so independent I have to worry about what is she getting into yeah we still have to lock up the scissors because even though she has stopped cutting her hair, she now wants to cut up her clothes because she wants to have a style similar to mine. And I, I cut up all my t-shirts and like, I wear my ripped jeans and that kind of thing. She wants to do that, but she's cutting up like her brand new dresses and not in a good way. And I'm like, Hey, if we're going to do this, let's go to a thrift store and pick up some clothes and we'll cut those up, but we're not going to cut up everything you own right <laughs> let's like, keep this focused yeah right and we're definitely not going to do it like she was cutting a dress like on her belly area I'm like let's not do that okay yeah. let's just not do that um but yeah it is that idea that she gets these big ideas and then she wants to execute on these big ideas and you know I'm doing something and I come out and I'm like whoa what is this right. it's the big ideas in a seven-year-old way that's scary yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like I'm I'm waiting for her to kind of like, I love her big ideas and I love how she creative she is, but it's like, okay, kid, like, can we not do that while we're not supervised? <laughs> or at least right. you got to yeah. tell mama what's going on so that I can help yeah. on some level. Crazy. No, it, it's, it's great, but it is, it's difficult and nobody has a manual for being a parent and and every kid is different and it's not like a car where they all are like manufactured the same. Right. <laughs> yeah so the way I always kind of end these things is, is um tell me two things that you love about who you are today well it's I would say one of the things is kind of a global thing I just I love that I from the minute I walked into recovery, the IOP program and AA meetings. I've just a hundred percent been presenting myself. I'm not trying to be anyone when I, you know, in that situation, but that's carried through in my life. So I'm just being myself. I'm, I'm trying not to be apologetic for who I am. Um, so that I feel like that's kind of a a global thing, but the other the other thing that I like about myself right now is I do really like how I've grown to be softer and more compassionate 
Because I can be, I can have some hard edges for sure. But I've learned how to, I mean, I know they still come out. So I'm not trying to say they're not around. (laughs) You know, I mean, we learned that in the, in the program too, but just that, I don't know. I can, I can also just see where someone needs a softer touch and soft moment and allow that, you know, okay. Maybe what I'm trying to say is that I'm not scared of feelings. Okay. So I'm okay with letting people feel their feelings and I still work on me feeling mine, but I'm much better at it. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? They can find me at kristayoung.me. That's my website. They can also find me at Krista Young Coaching is my Instagram. And my Facebook is... I believe it's Krista Young Coaching KYC. <laughs> I can't, I'm I'm pretty sure that's it because it had to be changed. So I was trying to make something easy, but yes, that's where they can find me. Um, send me a DM or I guess, yeah, off of Instagram, send me a DM or go to my website and I have a contact form on there too. If you're interested in coaching, they can um, go on there and, and, literally fill out the contact form and you can check if you're interested in divorce coaching or life coaching. I have a program called find your happy place. It's findyourhappyplace.life. And that's uh, basically what I was talking about here today, which is helping people go through the process of regaining themselves. So it's a women's divorce recovery program. Um, so that's a website you can find me at also, and you can fill out the form there and then you'll get my emails and know all the happenings going on. So, and I will link everything in the show notes for folks. Um, so they can click and go and, and all that fun stuff. Um, but for the folks that are listening and don't necessarily have access, they at least know some people are auditory. Some people are visual. So I provide both. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little of both. Yeah. yeah. I am so glad that you said that you wanted to do this. Um, I think that what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I know that there are lots of people um, that are walking through some of the same stuff that you've walked through and and knowing, you know, that there's some connectedness available and that they're not alone is, is a huge piece of the healing process. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Cause I'm, I'm trying to get the word out there and, you know, I've had some success of course with followers are on Instagram, but I really, my passion is to help women through this process. So yeah, anybody who needs help, give me a shout. And I, and I vouch for Krista. She's an amazing human and I am super blessed that I get to call her my friend. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate your help too. Thank you.
Thank you again for joining us for this edition of the Authenticity Experiment. Everything you need to know will be linked in the show notes, especially how to get in touch with our guests from today if you are interested in finding ways to connect with them more and ways to connect with me if you are interested in having this conversation yourself. I appreciate all of you who have taken the time to support this project and I will see you down the road.